Hi, this is Sean Parker with Fill in the Blank Podcast. Our guest today is someone that we have known for quite a while. His name is Luis Gill. Luis is a person that came to the United States many years ago from the country of Venezuela. And he has an amazing, unique story to tell about what it's like to be an immigrant at a young age, to come to a country that has lots of opportunity from what was the wealthiest, most prestigious country in Latin America. Today, Venezuela is no longer prestigious. It is no longer wealthy. It is still in Latin America, but it is being run by the communists. And Luis has helped a number of people immigrating to the United States. He has helped a number of people who are here to find success in the American dream. And he has a unique perspective on the downfall of Venezuela and the correlation to America today and the way that Venezuela has had gone down the tubes. And he's really hoping to make sure that America doesn't make the same mistakes, even though we may be on the same pathway. So, Luis, welcome to our podcast, and we want you to help us fill in the blank that we're missing about America today. So, tell us a little bit about you, how you got here, and uh, then we'll get into the parallels that you're seeing with Venezuela from 20 years ago to where America is today. Thank you, Sean, for uh, for amazing moment here, and thank you for allowing me to to speak a little bit of what's on my mind. I try to do it in an innocent way, in a perspective that God has given me an opportunity to be in this great country. And this, uh, and, and when I get uh, when I see things that they are culture shock into what I used to be and what it is, and to have this opportunity to flourish. And, uh, and assimilate, you know, the, the, the history, assimilate the politics, assimilate the, uh, the way of life. It, it is amazing why this country is the dream and the heaven of every immigrant that wants to come to this country. If I may, I, uh, yes, I, one of the things impacted me when I, when I arrived to this country back in, uh, you know, close to 30 years ago, it was the fact that uh, in Venezuela, to go from one state to another state within the country, you always have to stop and see the uh, see the national guard and see the army, you know, to a checkpoint, you know, and mm-hmm. and all those checkpoints, they were checking to make sure that you were Venezuelan, make sure you know you were not carrying things that were illegal, you were not doing things that they were not according to the law, and that was a checkpoint, you know, and and people got used to it, you know, I mean, just the way of life. Every day you go. You know, you wanted to travel, and that's what you got to do. So, so, so it was normalized. It was normalized. I okay. mean, you know, you see things, and and you see, uh, and you obey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were dealing with the uh, with the uh, with the law, but there was not a police. It was just the army and the national guard. So when I came the first time, one of the things that I got caught, I said I didn't see a machine gun for years. I mean, I didn't see any of that stuff that always surprised me. Very. Uh, uh, almost every day because I was traveled to a state to a state and, you know, it was just like taking the highway and there was nothing to stop me. Hmm. And those are the things that I caught early on. I said, well, where's the army here? You know, I didn't, I never seen it. I yeah. didn't see a, a fort. I didn't see, uh, you know, where they were staged. I, I didn't see any of this stuff. So I wasn't sure 
is that army that, you know, the people talk about it, how, how it's so powerful. Where was it? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't see it, any, any of that stuff. So do you think that I mean, one of the things that we hear about is the militarization of the police that's coming from the left. It's mm-hmm. coming from yeah. the BLM folks. Is, is that something that you're seeing in terms of where America's headed, is that we're actually going to militarize our police force? Or do you think that this is actually a step toward, uh, away from freedom? And you know, trying to understand a little bit about what you saw in Venezuela back yeah. then yeah. and how we may be on that same path, or is it a different path? What's well, your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that that's, that's not, that does not occur, because I want to tell you something that, Perhaps it's a little side note. When we were young, you know, we used to be on the street with our friends and stuff like that. But the kids that they were 18 and older, from 18 to 25, they have to be always be on the guard because any evening the army will come and will sweep you away and recruit you to be part of the army. I mean, you had no choice. We, we, we called that impressment back in, uh, we had the War of 1812 because <laughs> the British military, their Navy, impressed our soldiers that way. Yeah, so yeah. that actually happened in Venezuela. Oh, wow. yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. Oh, every day. Every day. Every evening, the, if you were 18 or 25, you have to be careful. The Army would show up in, in different angles of the street. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to run, I did and not they would know. recruit you. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, unreal. and you were if once you were recruited, and they knew who you are. First thing they did, they you knew that if you were caught, it's because you sh- your head was shaved off. So okay. so th- <laughs> the next day, if we saw our friends, oh, they caught you last night, you know, and uh, and but that was you know even though it was funny at the time because we were so innocent, so young, mm-hmm. it was a way of of the military enforcing in you, even though we were a democracy. Mm-hmm. They were a way to say you had no choice, but if you're on the street, you're going to the uh, to the army. No wow. choice. So that was a, a sign up. But you know, militarizing the police is something that I I see that you know third world countries do all the time to maintain balance, to maintain uh, you know stability. And we don't need this here. I mean, we have freedom. We have a constitution that will protect us supposedly. But we are so we we trying to change that in in, in a way. You know, I, I have to say they left us. Uh, they they want to change that because you know me. I mean, one of the things that it was amazing, Sean, is that when I arrived to this country about thirty years ago, Ronald Reagan was the president. Mm-hmm. So I learned conservatism. I learned the freedom. I learned so many good things from from Ronald Reagan. That, that stayed on my mind, and that's how I, the seed was planted. See, this is why I always believe, you know, we need to plant the seed so that way we'll flourish. So I flourish under that, you know? Yes. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, America under Reagan, we did, we did very well. I mean, I think that most people looking back grade him as a very, very effective president, a very, very effective political leader and unifier. America really came together well under mm-hmm. Reagan. Yeah. But we had, we had a reason that that was needed. Let's talk a little bit about the influences on Venezuela. Uh, was it the Russians, the Cubans? Uh, who was the people that got Chavez? And uh, forgive my forgive my language, but uh, the Partido Socialista Unido de Venezuela, uh-huh. the, the Socialist yes. Party. Yeah. Uh, who was it that that was behind that movement? And today, who was behind that movement? I believe it started with Cuba, Fidel. Fidel wanted to get the. Uh, Fidel wanted to get Venezuela because of the oil. Cuba had nothing. So they wanted to infiltrate Venezuela for many years, since 1959. Uh, we had a dictator back there, you know, back then, 
which is keep an eye on Cuba. And he told her, you put one finger or one soldier here, we will come and sink your island. I mean, that was the way they, they, that person, and it was a dictator. That's a very, very unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. But to today's day, that dictator is famous because he loved Venezuela. He did things, the things that he needed to be done, but it was it to keep the socialists and the Cubans away from Venezuela. So Chavez comes in with idea, uh, you know, ideas of Cuba and making friends of Fidel and immediately, you know, uh, closing the uh, conversation with the United States, and that was it. And the promise that Chavez used, it was that he was going to give the oil. It was, it was from Venezuela for Venezuelans, and everything was, you know, we needed to have our hands. Everyone wanted to have their hands on the oil, and he promised, I will give you oil to everyone. Well, people bought it, and how, here we are. How much oil did Venezuela have, or does Venezuela have, well, in, in the world then, and how much oil is there today, do, well, do you think? I'll give, I give you that a recent study that was done, um, I just read on the, uh, on the Internet, and, and the article was that because of the technology and the electric cars and so on, that Venezuela could be stuck without oil on the ground, one of the largest equity asset in the world. And they, according to them, I heard from Ohio State uh, 10, 15 years ago, that was uh, almost Venezuela can supply oil to the world for 20 years. This guy actually said it was eight and a half years. Can you imagine supplying if the oil would end today in the world? Venezuela alone can supply oil to the world for eight and a half years. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, that's a lot of money power. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of energy power mm-hmm. and a lot of political power. So that makes sense that a country like Cuba would have an interest in having a relationship Mm -hmm. in their own hemisphere with a country with that level of resources. So who else is there today? Tell us about, uh, you know, I've heard that the Chinese are there. I have heard that there are Russians in Venezuela trying to influence, Mm -hmm. Cubans in Mm -hmm. Venezuela trying to influence. Why Why are those groups there? Who else is there that we should be concerned about operating in our hemisphere of the world and what their interests are. Well, the uh, the uh, very unfortunately, the uh, during the Obama administration, Venezuela flourished as a dictatorship. The Cubans came in early on as doctors, you know. Okay. So they came out to disguise, you know. There were, uh, you know, how many uh, thousands of doctors, and the things that they were trying to do, they trying to infiltrate spies. Today, as we speak, you and me, Sean, Maduro, dictator, I can't call him president. Mm-hmm is surrounded by Cubans because he doesn't trust the Venezuelan army himself. He doesn't trust his general. He doesn't trust anybody that had to do anything. So he's being protected by Cubans right now. So the Cuba, uh, during, the, during Chavez administration of power, Venezuelans built the, the most technological refinery of oil in the, this hemisphere okay. by Venezuelan money. Mm-hmm. Cuba has it. That's what Cuba wanted. So guess what? They used to get the free oil from Venezuela and sell it to, to the market. What a way to make a profit, you know? I mean, that's socialist for you, you know? Get the free things and sell it, you know? It worked for Jed Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> oh, they there Texas we go. tea. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so that's how, that's how oil, and of course, at that point, Cuba could, didn't have to, uh, you know, to uh, depend on Russia. So, the, you know, once the Russians find out how much oil and stuff like that, the only problem for Russia is that in China is very expensive to transport, you know, the oil from here to, to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's very costly. But guess what? They got their hands on that. So one of the things that the Russians say, oh, 
instead of us taking the oil, let's take the gold. There's airplanes almost weekly going out of Venezuela with the gold to, to Russian banks, you know. So, so there's also deep gold reserves oh, in Venezuela deep, as yeah. well, which is, you know, the, the core commodity yeah. that most currencies yeah. are actually operating yeah. on with the World Bank. Oh, so. yeah. Venezuela is very, very unique because uh, Sean is, you know, gold, aluminum. Water, I mean, the biggest, the third biggest, the seventh biggest river in the world is in Venezuela. So Amazon is right there. So, you know, all those, all those natural resources is impacted, you know, that, that impact the world, they're there. So that's why we have right now China. We have, because we have the, the Caribbean Sea where you can fish. It's a natural, uh, amazing complex that you can fish and it never ends. So the uh, Chinese are there with their ship. The Russians are there to dig into the uh, to the mines, mm-hmm. and the, and apparently, you know, I heard uh, through the grapevine that actual Taliban's militias are there in an island, ready on the backyard of the United States. So, so there's a rumor that the Taliban mm-hmm. is in Venezuela, yes, with the purpose of well, who knows? To be a call, it's like a call in nine one one. Wow. I mean, it, and only that, Sean. The reason we see the evidence because mosques have been built to help them. So you can't hide the mosques. So Venezuela, a traditionally Catholic, Catholic country, country, then yeah. you know, with lots of Christian mm-hmm. influence, Judeo-Christian, mm-hmm. there are mosques in Venezuela mm-hmm. under a socialist or a communist regime. Yes. So that's not an accidental thing. I mean, you know? communism doesn't like, they don't like religion yeah. as a rule. Yeah. So. And Venezuela is how far from the border of America by well, plane? By plane, Miami, you know, two and a half hours, three two, hours. Two and a half hours. Three hours, yeah. And we have that sitting off of our coast. That's frightening. Yeah, it is. It should be. I, I mean, mean it, and not only that, uh, I mean, this, uh, you know, the things that to have that in the backyard with that much resource, I mean, it feeding himself is like having alligators and snakes with, uh, you know, with full of fish in the water. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the combination. It is it, those ingredients are are so uh, prime to yeah. have to dis um, to dis- disrupt the, the the world, the economy, and especially the United States because this is the you know the world economy. Look, these people don't like the United States. Yeah. There's the, the, they're not our friends. Then they are literally putting up operations that close yes. being supported by people who don't yeah. like us let's uh, let's let's shift around just a little bit let's talk about obama let's talk about his successor donald trump and let's talk about the present situation with the biden administration so so a lot of this stuff was tolerated under the obama administration yeah. or supported T- tell us about let's talk about obama then let's talk about how trump dealt with venezuela and then let's talk about Biden, where he is today, and his, you know, he's 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 midway through uh, his first year. He's approaching the end of his first year. So let's start with Obama. I mean, how how was the relationship with the United States' interest in Venezuela? Well, it, Obama didn't do anything. That's the whole thing. Okay. He he turned his back. He closed his eyes. But what you saw, Sean, is that somehow Obama wanted to be, uh, for what I saw in the news and what I read, he wanted to have kosher with Fidel, with the Castros. You know, Raul Costa and, and Fidel was still alive back then. Yeah, very much. He yeah. opened up. He yeah. opened up Cuba right, for the most part yeah. to the to a lot of you know Cuban American exiles mm-hmm. uh, were very upset with that. So, well, and for him to visit and go to a baseball game with the Castros and and kosher with that, 
That was looking to us for Venezuelans, the ones that have ex- exited. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I missed that. Obama went to a baseball game with the uh, Castros? Yeah, with the Castros, How did yeah. I, I, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. I missed that. They went to a baseball game. You know, so these guys are hanging out eating hot dogs out. and, yeah. and uh, popcorn. Seventh inning stretch yeah. and yeah. all the great traditions. Obama and the Castro brothers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, I guess one got by me. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, wow. If okay. that tells you what kind of relationship they had, well, you know, everything else is open to the interpretation, know, to interpretation you know. Fill in the, fill in the blank, yeah. guys. Fill in the yeah. blank, right? And we saw the sad part that, you know, in Central America and in South America, we saw that and go, go uh-oh, we're in bad shape mm-hmm. because we see that as a threat. I mean, Cuba is the cancer of this hemisphere for socialism and communism. Yeah. You know, so so when we saw that, you know, there was not very much, you know, Maduro knew that with Obama, he can just do whatever he wanted, and mm-hmm. he did. So he got stronger. He was able to ship billions of dollars from the, for the oil revenues. And through all that, uh, he was able to dash his bank accounts, his cronies. Everything was done with free. Venezuela was trying to, to, to leave the country because of the food supply, the electricity, the water, and all the stuff that was failing, people saw that what's coming is not good. Yeah. So people were trained to be... Uh, proactive throughout that process when they see Obama being okay with Fidel's, you know. So mm-hmm. that was that was pretty sad at that point. Very, very fortunate. Trump comes in. Trump is a person that, if I can give you a little bit of history, Trump was a person that loved Central America. He especially loved Venezuela because of the pigeon, Miss Universe. And oh, he, okay. He, he yeah. used to be the owner. Yes. And yes. Venezuela has the most Miss Universe representative that won the crown. Okay. So we have, I don't know how many, I can, if I tell you a number, maybe I exaggerate, but we have seven. Okay. So guess what they tell you that? The Venezuelan women are beautiful, intelligent, amazing people. And we, that's what we were known, yeah, other than the oil. You P- know? Plus you guys are like way out there at the end of the alphabet. So when they're introducing the people, everybody's <laughs> waiting for the yeah, V to oh, come up, yeah, right? Oh, Venezuela. Yeah. So they got to watch 25 commercials. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Before yeah. Get to and, 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 and only that, if we didn't get number one, we got number two, many of them. Number three, oh well, we, <laughs> you know. So that was uh, that was the thing. So so Trump, you know, getting to know Venezuela and because of that, he became. And I'm not saying that that was it. He just because Trump, we believe that he was very good with the Hispanic community. Okay. So through all that, when Venezuela goes through that process, that he hears and he he put a price on Maduro. Mm-hmm. $15 million he got caught. He would pay somebody $15 million. Okay. Oh, that was big news in Venezuela. So not only that, we didn't care so, about the price. So it was $50 million if someone brought Maduro to justice? To justice, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was sanctioned by the United States, or that was just a rumor that that was No, sanctioned? no, no. That was actually put on the uh, embassies of Venezuela because, uh, you know, they wanted to people to know that, hey, Maduro has a price on his head. We're done. I mean, basically, Trump told Venezuela, we're done with him. Okay. We, there's no more talking. You know, enough is enough. So we love that approach. We thought that we knew that Trump was firm on what he believed and he told us to Venezuela. That's why 90, I would say 95% of Venezuelans love Trump. They, okay. And, and there's a million, a million of them in Florida. So he had an amazing welcome with us when he, on his final, you know, final days. But what I want to get back is that we knew that Trump would do what he said he would do. 
the only thing that we knew that he was handicapped with all the investigations and all this stuff. I mean, we knew that I got invited Trump to, you know, to Florida a couple of times to talk to the Almagro, which is uh, the director of uh, American states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Organization of American States, which, yep. sure. yeah, which is he was in front of Venezuela. I mean, the guy, you know, he wanted to do everything he can, but, you know, he's a politics. Mm-hmm. When Almagro knew that Trump won, he felt a lot better because he was able to engage more directly with Venezuela. He was okay. able to knew that he would get the support of the president of the United States. So we, and not only that, he know he didn't put the uh, price on, on Maduro's head. He put a price on thirty-two between generals and officers of Venezuela. Okay. So we we saw that you know the hope there, and we were praying that Trump would get a second term. We thought that Trump would bring Venezuela to freedom one more time. Now, there's uh, uh, under the Trump administration a fellow by the name of Juan Guaido. Guaido, yes. Okay, I'm, I might not be saying that right, yes, but that's okay. But he is he running? Is is he he was elected as an interim president of the opposition party? Tell us a little bit about him, and is he in exile? What's 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 that relative situation? Well, Thanks to the United States and, and not so much from, you know, the Trump administration, but Trump put it up there on the top of the ticket for Venezuelans. He represented basically the Venezuelans that are against the administration Maduro dictatorship. Okay. Trump elevated him to, to the point that one of his, in one of his uh, events on the, you know, State of the Union, he brought Guaido to the world. I mean, that was never done before. That was something that we, we love the fact because it gave us hope. It gave us a dream that Venezuela could be free someday. Mm-hmm. And Guaido, yes, is the, is the one. I mean, I had to tell you the story then and the story now. You know, Guaido was something that uh, through my uh, news and uh, Ohio Latino TV, I always said, you know, everything looks good except that his heart is sincere. And they are thing- heart is insincere? Sin- sincere. Oh, his heart is sincere. It's okay. sincere. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're hoping for that. Well, we have found between now, you know, between then, uh, some kind of corruption because of the, the money that Trump gave to Guaido through to, uh, the petroleums of Venezuela. There is a, there is a company here that with the billions of dollars that, were, they were, um, that Trump put and uh, froze. And he was able to give Guaido to, you know, to, to function as a, pre- as a president, interim president, um, a lot of millions of dollars. Okay. And very unfortunately, there's questions there. You know how it is when there's billions of dollars in, a, in your bank. Well, I, I really don't know how that is. I, I, know, I, I wish know. I could tell you I, I did. Know, I, I, I don't know. have but <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I can imagine for a few minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you, uh, can you only imagine? Okay. Well, it used to bring you forward, yeah. you know, really fast. Two weeks ago, uh, Guaido, and he, not him, but his representative, met with representative for Maduro in Mexico, Mexico City. Okay. And you know what I see, what I see, Sean, in my innocent point of view, I mean, I'm not a guy that he went to, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go into military school, I didn't go into politics, stuff like that, but I know what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and why would you sit in the table with the devil? Why do you sit in the table with a guy that had created so much harm to Venezuelans? Those are the things that break my heart because what is he trying to gain? trying to get things for himself. He's trying to be a politics. He try- so the things that he promised, uh, he promised a lot, of, a lot of things. And one of the things he promised, free election. Well, that free election that he promised, it was not on the discussion 
uh, two weeks ago in Mexico City. So, so let's talk about free elections down there. And maybe you don't know this, but if a person wants to vote in Venezuela, what's the process? How do you show up at a poll um, and legitimately cast a ballot? Yeah, well, we have uh, what is called a board of election. Okay. It's nationwide, you know, primarily because the states are too small. Remember, okay. there's only 30 million Venezuelans in, in Venezuela. Okay. Well, well that's, what they, that's what the last census, but almost 7 to 8 million have left. Almost 10% of the population. So, so, 20%, so sorry. 20% tw- of the population. 20% of the Venezuela population is living abroad. All over, living abroad, all over the world. The okay. Venezuelans have walked from Venezuela to Mexico, to, to Argentina. Walk through the Andes, you know how cold that is. I wow. mean, they verify. They're doing anything they can to, 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 right? to like, like the Cubans. I mean, they get on, they get on yeah. rafts made yep. of inner tubes yeah. and, you know, hope that they can traverse yeah. a hundred mile yeah. sea yeah. and that the current's running the right way so they can possibly get to the Florida Keys or yeah. somewhere else. And, and we find them often floating dead on their rafts. Yeah, and so. the sharks, you know, I mean, all the stuff yeah. that, you know, that's, I believe, is number one on their mind. Imagine what Imagine, goes yeah. through. It's like the people climbing the onto the planes in yeah. Afghanistan and, and trying to get into the wheel wells, yeah. hoping just to live. When you see that, I, I feel bad for the United States because it's a country that I love, and then people trying to desperately get into somewhere where it's a, it, you see the strongest military in the world and within seconds things don't look that way yeah and and very unfortunately and then here we're bringing you know thousands of immigrants that you know they have the freedom to come Mm -hmm. but there's no plan i mean i don't see a plan when i see those pictures on tv yeah Uh, and then we we see mr biden yeah let's talk about biden a little bit yeah Um, so so biden venezuela relationship Is he is uh, is his administration on track to help preserve democracy, peace, and and freedom? Or we we don't see that. As a matter of fact, Maduro has asked Biden for help. Biden have practically denied in a way, you know. But one of the things that Biden has done that I believe Trump left, you know, left field, which is called the it's called the PTS, you know, protection temporary protection mm-hmm. TPS. For Venezuelans, unique Venezuelans. I mean, this if you apply, you get here, and you you are in the United States soil, you can apply for TPS, and you ninety nine percent will get approved for okay. temporary protection. H- how long is that for? So you you come from Venezuela, mm-hmm. however you get here, do you, and you produce, I suppose, a Venezuelan Some ID card. Yep, mm-hmm. and you say I'm asking for asylum mm-hmm. in the United States. Yes. Then the U.S says yes how does that what happens after that well i mean there's two ways asylum and the tps okay the tps the asylum has a path to citizenship okay the tps does not okay so tps is a temporary that is through the power of the president and then it can end any time tps stands for temporary protection services okay yeah so at any time they could say we need you to go back yeah we're not we're not happy with TPS status yeah. anymore. We're done, yeah, and 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 done, and, and we don't know the ramifications of that. But remember, the Salvadorans and Nicaraguans had that for almost twenty years. Okay, so it gets renewal by presidents, you know. So the so so the Venezuelans in the United States 
are all here legally. Yes, practically. Okay. Yes, as I mean, long as as long as their story match, you know, mm-hmm. especially with asylum, you know. Sure. And the TPS practically gave us a bridge to be legal. Yes, majority. The only thing is that with the Biden administration believes that now Somalia, Haiti are part of that that path of TPS, you know, okay. temporary protection. So if you get here, then you got that, you know. I mean, you don't have to prove anything other than you were born in that country. Okay. Yeah, and, and those are two. Hopefully we'll do other – we'll do shows on Somali. Yeah, yes. Uh, Somalia, because yeah. we have a large Somalia population here. Yeah. And, you know, looking at some of the other countries, I mean, as we do geopolitical analysis mm. and yeah. talk about yeah. state of the world – Yeah. And why America is the place that everyone wants to come to? It's a it's a house light. It's a it's a, it's a heaven. It's the it, you know. Remember, a lot of those people see the United States for the movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to go there. You know, that's one of the things that I learned on that side. So, you know, so w- when they get here, though, are they disillusioned or do they see America as a good place to be? No, no. They, we see America as a great place. We see. The, the very unfortunate thing that I see as an immigrant, Sean, is that we do not assimilate the language, the history, the sacrifices, everything that meant why America is what it is 250 years later, over mm-hmm. 250 years later. Do we have another 250 years? If we, we need to start creating, planting the seed in places where everyone sees what happened? If we don't know the history, we're gonna tend to repeat it again. Yeah. And and very unfortunately, so as an immigrant, I want to as a Latino community, you know, to, to help out is to teach them, hey, what happened back then, two hundred fifty years ago? How we can preserve so we can have another two hundred fifty years? It is so easy here in a way that you can come, you know, start establish a organization, pay the taxes, make money. And all that stuff, and and if we do that, is if if we Sean, we gotta get together as a as a one country, we gotta call each other Americans. We got to do. We gotta be in one tent. We gotta start that somewhere because right now we are more divided than ever. We are more disillusioned within ourselves and what's happening in the world. But immigrants don't do that. All we do is, especially Latino community, mm-hmm. we like to work hard with family people. Religion is we are united in our religion. So we will become a force sometime, someday. And we need to be part of that force in a way to protect this country and preserve it. Do you see, do you see the immigrants as being, you know, we, we have populations that uh, we, we call them hyphenated Americans. They mm-hmm. never lose the identity of mm-hmm. being something else. Mm-hmm. Do you see the Venezuelan population as remaining as Venezuelan Americans or do you see them coming into the melting pot of America and retaining some cultural aspects mm-hmm. and, and you know having some of the great Venezuelan unique mm-hmm. foods that you have? Mm-hmm. Or do you see them as staying off in their own and not coming into the fold of general America? No, the majority of Venezuelans that I know, they love this country. They, they want to do whatever it takes to respect, to abide the law, to become a productive citizen of this country. We, you know, the majority, we want to do that. The only thing is the lack of organi- the lack of information that they, they have to, you know, you have to search on your own. Mm-hmm. They can't depend on school. I mean, you, we see what school's happening. So all those kids are coming in, you know, they're not learning really, basically, what we knew of the United States. They lo- they're learning another phase 
I'll I give you one example, Sean, and I don't know if this means anything, but when, when I came to this country the f- first time, I, I didn't know what racism, what race was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what racism was. I didn't know the, the definition because we have black people in Venezuela and we saw them the you know, same. Mm-hmm. So I, I practiced that and, and I, saw that, I saw that very sad uh, handicap you know, for, for the United States, you know, and every country has a past. I don't know how far you want to go back. So when will be the day that we can pass the page, we can be united again, we can be one country, one, you know, everybody will be American, and we can go against those countries that do not wish us well. Yeah. Now we have Taliban's. I don't see them as a very friendly people. Mm-hmm. You know, China, Russia, I mean, ha- there are so many forces that w- they wish that the United States would sink. And if the United States sink, that would be the end of the world, in my opinion. Well, if, if we sink, they lose the largest consumer marketplace that any of them have. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. also would lose the ability to have free trade, which would take us back to the 1880s when everybody was fighting everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Thanks to Bretton Woods, thanks to the United States Navy, mm-hmm. the entire world is its own marketplace. Yeah. And that's one of the strengths, one of the greatest gifts we have given to the world population as Americans. And and to correct something, Sean, Mm -hmm. every culture wants, you know, to the United States to flourish because they want the families to flourish. Mm -hmm. For the families to flourish, everything around the community has to flourish. So it's it's a little domino effect, you know, and I know a lot of cultures that they want to do that. I mean, even not so only the Venezuelans, but the Colombians, the Mexicans, I mean, they want... I mean, there's so many things that they, you know, the magic of the economy is there to preserve because it's a selfish preservation. It's because it's my economy, but it's everybody's economy. So, so talking about the economy, as we move into a more socialist type of country, the number of government workers versus private workers has shifted dramatically in the past 20 years mm-hmm. as a relationship, which, which makes us a much more European-looking type mm-hmm. of socialism. Mm-hmm. How do the Venezuelans feel about that being here? Do they, do they like that? Do they want to depend on the government? No, or are they more entrepreneurial and want to create their own pathway? We don't understand when, uh, when the government wants to print money and send us a check. It, 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 we welcome the. Ch- I mean, everybody welcomes the check. Sure. But we don't understand how they happen because a lot of Venezuelans have been here for the last five years as the arrival. But when we see the government, when we see the government being so kind, and we go, "Oh, okay, that's how my government was back then. It didn't work," you know. So, <laughs> so. so we're worried that eventually this little, sh- you know, small. I, I want to call it small in a sense of the grandiose lifetime. Mm-hmm. I say, I'd rather get, not get that check, but have preserved future. Yes. So here we are. There's a price to pay when you get something free Yeah. eventually. There's no such thing as free in, yeah. in the world. Yes. I mean, lo- love is free, yeah. but sometimes yeah. that even has a price with yeah. it, I suppose. Yeah. So, I, I agree. So, you know. so we Venezuelans, I mean, one of the things I want to say, you know, Venezuelans, almost 70, 75% are come with a degree, college degree. Because, you know, back then, college was free. But okay. It, it, right now, there's no lights, so you can't go to college. There's no books. You can't buy anything. So, so there's no – so Venezuela, you ban books in Venezuela? Well, I mean, they are, but, they, you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you afford some things when back then, 30 years ago, the average wage was $2,500, and now it's $4, as of today. A month? A month. 
average wage in Venezuela is four dollars a month. A month. A month. A month. Thirty days. This is all a person gets. Think four dollars. Yes. Thank you to to the socialist and communist ideas. That's how we went backwards within twenty years. Four dollars. Four dollars. Okay. And twenty years ago, it was twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. So twenty years ago, I mean, that was probably the average wage in the United States. Probably. Oh yeah, that's why Venezuela didn't migrate. Yeah, we didn't go. We, we were happy. There was nothing better here for you. Uh, yeah, no, we were we were content. Eighty degrees yearly average temperature, mm-hmm. and the beach, Caribbean Sea, the one of the most beautiful. Why would you leave paradise? Yeah, you know, and and and, and the and the and the price of you know the gasoline was probably a dollar a gallon or ninety nine cents. You know, never went up because we are producers of oil. There's a story out there about the Ven- about the Caracas Zoo. Oh yes, I mean, Very is fortunate. that true? It is true. Very sad. There was no food. So there was no food in Venezuela. Yeah. In Caracas. In Caracas. The yeah. big. How, how many people are in Caracas? What's that? I a would say. People? Yeah. I would say. You know, no more than five million. You know. Okay. And the food supply dried up, and yeah. they say they ate the animals. Ate at the, the animals. Zoo. At they the slaughtered zoo. them and yeah. ate the animals. That's correct. Okay. So I don't think there's a whole lot to like about communism in Venezuela. No, that we we don't think it's working. I mean, <laughs> you know, we know that we would like to have a uh, different, but let me tell you this, you know, this is my conclusion. I don't I don't go to school. I just simply see, mm-hmm. read, and form an opinion. The reason the preservation of Maduro and his dictatorship in Venezuela is because Second Amendment. We had no guns. No guns. No, we got okay. st- rocks and sticks, and we are fighting against tanks and machine guns. So effectively, there is no way, there was no way mm-hmm. to, for a person to defend their right to property, their right to their home, mm-hmm. their right to their life. Yeah. Those things were taken off the table, mm-hmm. and one day someone decided that you know, we're, you're going to be on a pathway to making $4 a month mm-hmm. and feel lucky that you're getting 4 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This has still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money is only held by you know the people that are in favor of the dictatorship. The army is well fed, and the people, the individuals, are left on their own. Wow! And the crime is rampant. You know, in Caracas, there's a gangs that are in charge, and the the government supports them because they keep the people in check. Okay. It is just so much. It's like an octopus. So yeah. many arms trying to keep the honest Venezuelans and the the people that really want to have a good life and a good future. I believe is for the time being is gone. Do you see a Do you see a relationship or is it, do you see America moving in that direction? Do you feel that or do you sense it or do you see things that are actually happening that that parallel that? When a slippery slope. Okay. Even I don't know if I can say, but you know, when I went last year, uh, in great to this country that gave me the opportunity to be part of this political arena, only in the United States can happen as I lived it. But when you see things, we talk when you talk to people, and you see the Democrats agreeing that social is okay. I have a problem with that mm-hmm. because I lived it. I saw it. I have testimonies. I got pictures. I got people that are desperate. We are, uh, right now, I know a lot of families that somehow are working so hard here to send food to their families in Venezuela because it's nothing. There are people that are eating one meal a day. So, so part of the money they make, or, or a good part of it, they're actually s- sending like, money. 
money and and, and, and clothing and, and packages of clothing packages. and food yeah. back to their yeah. families. Yeah, back to the families. And they they are sending you know dry goods because mm-hmm. so they can make it you know through the thirty days you know through shipping you know through the ocean and uh, you know by a plane is too expensive. Do the people actually get it, or do the people they get the gov- it? They, yeah, they, they do get, get it. it. They the do get it. Some have it. Okay. Well, it is good for the government. It say, oh, we don't have to worry about feeding them. Okay. They're getting the food. So I mean, so convenient. You know what I mean? But it, it costing people here to work so hard to send because they they buy this, the products here. What, what what do people send? I mean, what if if a care package goes out? What's in the care package? Sean, roughly, I, I can tell Tylenol. I mean, food, dry goods. You know, like beans. They're shipping beans. A can they of beans at can Kroger beans. is yeah. thirty nine yes. cents, yes. fifty nine cents. Yeah. It's not. It's not a dollar yeah. for yeah. a lot of the beans. Yeah. And it's and it's they're literally shipping beans yes. to yes, okay. shipping whatever they can ship for them to eat. What's interesting is throughout history, we know that that happened in Cuba mm-hmm. in the nineteen fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. and all the way up to today. Mm-hmm. The people that went to Cuba before mm-hmm. Trump closed it back off mm-hmm. that I talked to told similar stories about the people of Cuba not having anything. Mm-hmm. And the hotels had enough for the tourists, but even that wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. The stories of China. My father was in China, Second World War, same stories. Okay, Now, they weren't fully communist at that point. I, I've heard people in Vietnam, there's a fellow, one of the guys in the Hanoi Hilton told stories about how how impoverished mm-hmm. that uh, that Vietnam was once the communists took over. Common theme, common story. There's nothing here to make it any different, but yet we have a, a lot of people in the United States who are thinking that that's a better way to go because one size fits all mm-hmm. and, we, and, we, and we evenly distribute things. But it hasn't worked anywhere that I can find. I'm no. looking. If anyone wants to yeah. wants to email us in and let us know, please do because we'd love nothing more than to have a story mm-hmm. about the success of socialism, commun or communism mm-hmm. in particular, so that we can share that. So, well, you, it's just to give you a little piece in a way you know that we can talk about again or invite Colombian. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Colombian who have an election, and one of the the guys' his favor, he used to be a FARC. Uh, you know, with the FARC is the guerrillas. Okay. And he's going to be perhaps the next president of Colombia. How, uh, you know, how good is that? Where's Where's the United States on that? What is our position uh, with? The United States has been very supportive of Colombia. I mean, we've, we worked hard to get the cocaine yeah. Yes. trade yeah. under control. Yeah. Colombia worked hard with us to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. But but it has not worked. I mean, here we are facing this most debacle, democracy hiccup. In, in, in a short time. And also because of Cuba infiltration. This is all it is. So, and I, I want to give you that footnote in there. Interesting. No, no, that's a good that's a good footnote. We're going to go ahead, I think, and wrap up. We've been on for a little bit. Our guest is Luis Gill. Luis is a reporter in, in the Midwest, talks about some political issues, talks about things that are relevant to the people of of the Midwest and the United States, but most importantly, he is a very proud American. He is a very proud person of the world, and he also hurts and loves the people of Venezuela. So, Luis, thank you. Thank you, Sean. We will talk more because I'd like to get you back with us for another show to talk about Hispanic issues in general. I think you can bring us a lot of information, but thank you for sharing that. 
Thank you, Sean, for the opportunity, and it's a pleasure, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Take care. Hey, thanks for giving us your time to listen. You've been listening to Fill in the Blank with Sean Parker, where we talk about the issues of politics and the geopolitical marketplace, as well as economics. If you like our channel, please subscribe to us at Fill in the Blank on YouTube. And be sure to listen every week as we come back to you with some of the most thought-provoking people of the day. And learning is always the key to what we're trying to do.